0: Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, welcome back, Bailey Hancock here. Today we have on the show one of my camp friends, and this is probably camp friend number 100 at this point, but it's because they're so damn awesome. Um, Jessica Hooper and I met at, I think, camp in twenty, gosh, 2017, yes. um, and this is what's interesting about camp, and again, camp is this creative conference for adults set in Big Bear, it's part retreat, part conference, it's no more, so don't get excited, um, but... <laughs> the thing about camp is you're there with 150 to 200 creative professionals who are kind of disconnecting from the world. There's no cell phones. And even if you don't actually meet somebody in person at camp, it kind of doesn't matter because after you leave, you're like, oh no, we know each other. We were at camp together. (laughs) And so that kind of happened with Jessica and I, Um, we had come in contact with each other in a few places before camp, but it was after camp that We finally had coffee and started chatting, and I realized like, oh wait, I need you in my life. You are also one of those hyper connector people who's just cool as hell and has an interesting story. So I am really excited to have Jessica on the show. She is a project manager at Deck Artists, which I'll let her tell you what that actually means and who they are. But Jessica, welcome to the party. Thank you, thank you for having me. I am so excited you're finally here. So give us a little bit of background. Um, You know, growing up, what did little Jessica wanna be?
1: Oh, wow. So um, little Jessica, um, I'm a military brat. First off, both of my parents were um, in the Air Force and I was born at March Air Force Base, lived in base housing. And I don't remember early on what I wanted to be, but I do remember probably around high school, I wanted to be an A&R exec at a record company. I wanted to help develop artists.
0: Is that what does A&R mean? Um, gosh, now I forgot all these years later, but I think it's, (laughs) I think it's like
1: artist relations.
0: Okay. So you wanted to work with the talent and help
1: create
0: create who they would become as an artist. Yeah. I wanted to be a kingmaker. That's really cool. Where do you think you came up with that from?
1: Um, probably different TV shows that I was watching. Um, I want to say there was probably a character on a sitcom that, that did something similar. Um. Yeah. And then I think just, I didn't grow up in LA, but I was always back and forth because I had family out here. Mm. So probably just a combination of things I saw on TV and then being in LA where so many people already worked in the industry and just being like, oh, it looks really fun. And you know, wanting to be like on the inside of breaking an artist. So, you know, you guys think this person's an overnight success, but I've been working with them for the past year to you know, we knew this was going to happen. We knew we were going to drop this song, this album, and it's going to blow your mind.
0: I wanted to be on the
1: insider track of doing that.
0: It's good that even as a teenager, you knew that overnight, overnight successes were not actually that. Oh, yeah. It's all
1: smoke and mirrors. And I wanted to be part of the smoke and mirror factory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty cool to me. Were you a super big music fan?
1: I was. I was. Um, I had a TV in my room for a spell and the TV broke and I didn't care. I had a radio And I got my first CD player and I never replaced the TV in my room. I just would be in my room for hours listening to the radio, listening to anything that I could get my hands on. And yeah, it was always just a big force for me.
0: I wonder if, do kids still listen to the radio? Cause I was the same way. I had my, my boom box, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which was like two feet wide and sat yep. on my bedroom floor. Cause it was so massive. Um, I had my boom box with my CD player on top, tape player on the bottom. And I would just listen to the radio. It would be on all night too. I would with yep. it on. Same here. <laughs> and like, it, you know, it's funny. The radio was such a big part of growing up and it's, it's kind of how I, I think, I, as a you know, middle schooler and then teenager, sort of figured out like what I liked growing up, and like wasn't just what your parents played or you know what you were listening to from other people. It was it's kind of one of those first chances you get in your life to start making your own opinions and your own um, yeah things that you actually choose to listen to. (laughs) I hope kids still listen to the radio. I don't know. I don't listen to the radio anymore. It's kind of sad now that I think about it, but. Yeah. So that's amazing. So when you graduated high school, did you go off to college? What did you decide to do next?
1: Oh, that was a tricky one. So I wanted to go out of state for college and had like the typical battle with the parents of like, mm-hmm. you're not ready to do this. And I'm like, well, if I can't go to the school I want, then i I decided to go to the community college in, um, in our city. And while I was there, it was very interesting. I was very committed. Well, first year, not so much. First year grades were trash.
0: And then <laughs> after
1: that, it was, I started taking it more serious. And when I had my best, you know, quarter and got Dean's list and all this other stuff, I realized I didn't
0: want to be there. Hmm.
1: So um, I had- Why the very- do you
0: think that was? What was it?
1: I couldn't, I couldn't see a clear path to the things that I wanted. And I, and I knew, I understand and understood then the value of a, de- of a degree, but because I was so lost in which way I wanted to go, I think I started out with a psych major and then switched to accounting, to very different fields. I'm like, oh girl, you don't know <laughs> what you're
0: doing. <laughs> you know, it's so unfair that they even make college freshmen pick a major. Yeah, you don't know what the hell you want out of your life. It should be just (laughs) like a buffet where you try a little bit of everything and like see what doesn't feel painful to go into. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you enjoy an eight a.m. class, chances are you really like that subject. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Otherwise, (laughs) no. (laughs) So when I switched it to accounting, I I really liked it. That's where I excelled the most, and we any any of my business classes that I was taking, I loved. So I wanted to test it out. Okay, if I'm going to commit to this and this is going to be my career for the next 20, 30, however long years. So I, for me, the obvious choice, I said, well, go find a bank to work at. Mm. And so I worked at a bank. And um, at that point, I wanted to just do that full time and really see if I liked it before I wanted to commit more time and money to pursuing the degree, made the very difficult decision of sitting down and telling my parents that I was going to be a community college dropout. And they were obviously not happy about it, but they they felt like, like, okay, well, if you think you've got a better plan, go for it, you know. And they felt like, and if your plan flops, then you go back to school. I Said, okay, that's fair enough. So, I worked at a bank for a few years, and as we're talking offline, the uh, financial crisis happened. And during that crisis, when all the banks were closing or getting bought up by others, and people were getting laid off, it was an absolute bloodbath at the company I was at and I got a weird phone call from a headhunter and she's like, would you be interested in working at Fox studios?
0: And where are you at this point? Are you in LA?
1: Yes. I was in Torrance at this point. I was working in Torrance and living in LA.
0: And what were you doing at the bank?
1: um, I was working in private banking and investments. So I had moved my way up from teller to, you know, personal banker who like helps you open your checking account into working with the investment clients and the financial advisors.
0: So, um, you were kind of giving yourself your own little tour of like, these are all the different things I could put. Oh yes. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. That honestly, I I think like the idea of going to school for a minute, trying it out in real life, going back to the drawing board, trying it out. Mm -hmm. It would be lovely if that was an actual system. If people, feel comfortable and supported doing that because my god by the time you get out of college now you've got loans and and so many recent college grads feel stuck right away because they're like Mm -hmm. i don't even know if this is actually what i want to do but i feel like i have to see it through because i just did four years or however many years of college so it's kind of a trap right away
1: yeah and that's what i was trying to avoid i'm like if i'm again if we're gonna commit this much money to anything i would really like to test it out and see if i like it Um, so I got the mysterious phone call. I didn't know how this woman got in contact with me or why she would think I'd want to go from a bank to a movie studio. But at that point I was like, sure, this place is burning to the ground
0: anyways. (laughs) Yeah, this ship is sinking. I'm going to go ahead and take that lifeboat. Thanks. (laughs) So that's how
1: I got into entertainment. That was my first step into
0: entertainment. And I was just, I was an admin there. Wait, did you ever find out who this woman was and where she came from?
1: No, I asked Stop. zero questions.
0: Wait, so you have no idea how she found you? No. Why she? So this woman could clearly just be like a mysterious guardian angel. <laughs> yes. So like, Jessica, we're going to guide you in this direction now. <laughs> I can't believe you never asked questions. That's hilarious. No, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> Damn, I love it. Okay. So you got in there.
1: Yeah. Fairy godmother called me and said, would you like to do this? Um, And I spent about a year and a half, I think, at Fox. And I was always on. It was so exciting being at a movie lot versus being at an investment banking office. Yeah, no kidding. So had a blast there and then ended up going over to Sony for a few years and I was working at the Sony lot and that was fun. You get to see celebrities and you know basically walk right onto a movie set if you want to. If you're quiet enough, no one notices that you're there. And um was having a good time. I but then another kind of you know epiphany came up which was I don't actually enjoy the work that I'm doing. Mm, so like the role specifically. Yeah, and it was it was still more admin stuff, but I just, I didn't like being there. Anything that was outside of sitting at my desk, I loved. I loved walking around the lot and talking to people and I loved the nice gym that they had, but I actually hated my job. And so when I realized that I was going through like your typical LA 20, 20 year old, you know, woman thing, which was, I'm going to take yoga teacher training.
0: (laughs) Literally, I think 90% of the women in LA have had that conversation with, (laughs) I should probably just get certified as a yoga instructor and then I'll just figure it out from there. Did you do it? (laughs) So I did.
1: (laughs) And I finished my certification, I think, I want to say March or April of 2010. And I got fired from Sony in June of 2010. (gasps) Why? Because I hated being there and they knew it.
0: (laughs) Like when you don't like, yeah,
1: when you don't like being somewhere, it shows, it shows in your work, it shows in your attitude.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I got myself fired one time too, when I had just mentally checked out and was just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. But uh, it's such a good lesson to be fired because Mm -hmm. it makes you realize very quickly. And I would love to know what your experience was. But I, after the ego crush of like, what you fired me? But I'm a fantastic employee. <laughs> and the truth is, well, sure, I'm in a fantastic employee when I want to be there. but if I don't, Lord help you for mm-hmm. being around me. Um, but after that experience, I realized the the value in, even when you're unhappy in a role, if you're trying to figure out the next move, like at least put on kind of a happy face as long as you can, deal yes. with it so that you never burn a bridge and so that, you know, people people don't piv- you know, put you in their minds as somebody that just has a bad attitude and gives up. That was a good lesson for me at yeah. like 24, 25 when this happened to me. Hmm. I think um, it, was, it was right after my
1: 25th birthday. And um, it, it was a great lesson. And just, you know, I, I could have handled it in a way more mature way. So anytime I tell this story, I, was, I didn't even have the ego crush moment of like, how could you? I'm like, oh no, you you had a great this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like I was dressing casual Friday Monday through Friday. Like I just didn't care. <laughs> so they're like, "Hey, we can tell you don't want to be
0: here and we don't really want you here either." I said, "Okay. Well, fair enough. That is that is very fair. And and good for them for not just like dragging it out too. Like whatever. There's enough people. This is actually one of my biggest pet peeves in life now mm-hmm. is people that that are bad at their jobs or that don't, don't at least try in their jobs. And I've been in jobs where I literally phoned it in and was like, nah, not going to do it. But now I, I see it everywhere, right? Where it's like, you can tell if you're having, even from a very small level, say at fast food, like you can tell when somebody's miserable and yes. it permeates across the transaction and kind of almost like puts a layer of misery on you. And then you leave and you're like, why do I feel shitty? And it's like, well, cause you just had a shitty interaction with somebody yes. that was, you know, so now my goal in life is help people love what they do because I think it does radiate out of you, better yeah. for better or worse. And mm-hmm. for you, like, were you somebody that had to answer calls or deal with interactions with people in that role?
1: It was a lot of answering calls, and um, it was weird because I was, I was the assistant to I think the vice president of the department and the executive director, and then there were other people like that kind of worked around us. And so I would get a lot of people acting as though I was their assistant Mm. too. And you know, there's a few ways to go about that. Either you can just do it or you can find a polite way to, you know, show them how to do it on their own. And I just, I didn't handle it as well as I could, but hindsight, I just, I didn't want to be doing that anyway. So I think it all worked out the way it needed to. I think Um, it always
0: does. And that's a good lesson that you'll never not have. Yes. (laughs) And, and, and I always say too, like, don't start looking for a job once you're miserable. Yes. This is a thing that we get better at with age for sure. But, and what I preach in the one year career is like the best time to go grocery shopping is on a full stomach, Mm -hmm. not when you're hangry. And it's the same with jobs. Like don't start looking for a job when you're just ready to quit and light the building on fire. Like start thinking about your next move as you start to pay attention to the signs and realize like man, this just isn't doing it for me the way it used to because then everybody wins. You're not in this horrible place as you're leaving the company, burning bridges potentially with your bad attitude. Mm -hmm. You're being thoughtful about the job search process and really like taking your time with it. Cause man, when you're in a rush for a new job, you're going to just get another job. You don't love most. Exactly. And then you're going to have to do the whole process over again, which sucks. (laughs) So what happened next? So you got your certification, you got fired. Did you go on to be a yoga teacher?
1: I did. Nice. I felt like I had to. My my plan, I'm doing air quotes here on plan was that I was gonna get the certification and like teach while I still had my full time job and build up my experience, and then I would leave and you know I'd I'd have all this experience teaching and I'd be a successful yoga teacher. Instead, I jumped right into teaching with zero experience and had to really leverage my network of of friends and even former colleagues from from Sony and from other studios that I met people through. So I was able to land a few gigs early on teaching at the Sony gym. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And I had a few other small studio, I mean, small yoga studio um, teaching gigs. But once I realized, and I realized it pretty quick, there wasn't a whole lot of money in teaching at yoga studios and I had bills. So I'm like, okay, well, what about corporate wellness? Like, Mm. I know they pay better because I had friends that taught at the movie studios. So I ended up teaching at Sony, at Disney, at Paramount. Um, I had a teaching gig at a charter school in Santa Monica. Actually, I think it's a private school. But um, so I was getting, you know, I was on their payroll there as actual part of their faculty, part of their physical education department. And all of that came from just people that I met through Sony and Fox. So um, my fear of like, oh, well, who's going to hire me because I'm a brand new instructor really didn't impact me too much because I knew enough people that were like, oh yeah, I remember you've been telling me you're doing this yoga stuff. Like, you know, my, this part-time place that I, I do work at or my kid's school and boom, I had a full schedule right away.
0: That's so important. And I think the piece about you had been kind of letting people know Mm -hmm. about the training and all of that is very crucial here because when people are switching industries or types of jobs, that's their biggest fear, right? Like, am I going to have to start over? Who's going to give me a chance when I have Mm -hmm. no experience in this area? And the key really is, well, A, controlling your narrative of your career story, right? So, for you I think it's it's important to kind of be able to show these people like well yeah this isn't an overnight thing I didn't just make this up out of nowhere yes I've been going to these classes I've been getting my certification I've been interested in this for a while now I'm finally realizing the actual new job um, so how were you able I mean obviously telling people about it was important but say a lot of people if they were gonna do what you did the route that you took I think a lot of people would feel like they couldn't share that they were trying to do something new out of fear of getting fired or of being Mm -hmm. seen as a flake. How, how do you recommend people go about like letting their network know that they've got a new thing in a way that doesn't feel like, what, what are you talking about? You're doing yoga now. You haven't been doing that. Like how do you handle that conversation or that announcement? I think
1: it starts with an internal discussion first. And that internal discussion is basically you telling yourself, Get over, get over yourself. Like, Whatever you think their reaction is going to be, they're not putting that much thought into it because nope. people are, are worried about their own shit, their own yep. families, their own bills. So for me, it was just kind of a little pep talk of like, girl, get over yourself. No one's really going to care, but no one's going to know if you don't say anything. So yes. Yes. what are you more afraid of, them saying something weird back to you or them just not knowing? And I'm like, no, I need
0: them to know. A hundred percent. That's so important. People can't help you if you don't let them mm-hmm. and people are not paying as close of attention to you as you think they are at all. <laughs> like we are also wrapped up in our own lives and our own fears and our own insecurities and our own next steps that I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. She's about to transition into a new career path. And I said, honestly, people's attention spans are so short anymore that you can actually pivot from industry to industry every few years if you wanted to, and people will stay up with you. Like you just have to show them like, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. And then you kind of solidify that new thing in their minds as who you are and what you do. And they'll very quickly forget what you were doing before because there's not enough room in our brains to keep track of everybody's resumes, you know? So it's about putting yourself out there. It's about alerting people of how they can support you in this new thing. Mm -hmm. It goes back to, you know, dressing for the job you want, not the job you have, except it's in pitching yourself and putting yourself out there as what you want to be doing, not what you've done in the past. Yeah. Big part in successfully transitioning careers.
1: And I will say another part of controlling the narrative, especially, and like are very digital and, you know, everyone's got their phone glued to their hand age, control your Google narrative. So yes. I started doing a lot of guest blogging, so um, scary. when I got into yoga and would try to get them, you know, whatever the big online yoga publications were. So whether it's elephant journal or, you know, yoga dork or any, whatever in your industry, there's always going to be some websites that are like the hub yep. of all current and up to, you know up to date information, or there just might be you know, a teacher that, you know, that has a huge following and has a great mailing list and you can ask, can you do a guest blog? Or sometimes they're, they're always asking, you know,
0: tell us your story, share your story. People always need content. <laughs> yes. Always. And so, if you're a decent writer and you can pitch yourself as such, or you can tell your story in a really compelling way, mm-hmm. they will beg for you to be on their blog and their podcast and their panel in my collaboration work, this is one of the things I work with my clients on is when you're trying to promote your new company or your new service or you as an individual, like find the places where your potential customers or potential people that could hire you hang out and just go be there, you know, yeah, in a way, but that's brilliant about controlling. Like even just if somebody Googles you, Mm it's going to come up on that first page.
1: Yeah. And I, I didn't have uh, this book then. I don't even think it was written in, but there's this really great book called um, Body of Work by mm. a woman named Pamela Slim. And she talks about ecosystems and watering holes. So like just what you were saying right now is find out where your people hang out. Where's the watering hole yeah. for yoga instructors? What ecosystem do they live in? And you can start to put together almost like a profile, the same way marketing companies put together client avatars. Yep. I was starting to do that. So, okay, well, what do you, the people that I want to show up to my classes in my workshop, what do they read? Where do they shop? What brands do they like? And so I would apply to be an ambassador for those brands. So obviously if you're in yoga, you want to be a Lululemon ambassador. Um, I didn't get that one. I got Manduka. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be in front of people. And all of that helped. So it helped shortcut the experience um, kind of path of it where like, I may not have as much experience as this other teacher, but if you Google me, I'm all over everybody's blog. You had great visibility. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a Manduka campaign. So it helped, you know, kind of give that credibility without putting the time in. And to, to that point, I'll also say, be careful with that too, because I still didn't have the experience. So I wasn't a better teacher mm. than the people that had been teaching longer than me, like not at all. And that's when another epiphany came, which was, I liked the marketing of it. I was going
0: to say, you just treated yourself like your own PR client, like a freaking boss (laughs) with, from what I know of your story so far, no experience doing that. How did you even know how to go about that? What made you think about your Google ability and positioning yourself? Like, where did that come from? Um,
1: That came from mentors that I had. Mentors have been super important to me I've had many and most actually every mentor I've had I think I asked them to be my mentor just like flat out people love flattery so I'm telling them hey I really admire you I think you know I've I've paid attention to what you do and especially if you can prove to them that you are paying attention you know if it was a woman I'm like you have a husband you have two small kids and you're still crushing at work like can you just come to lunch with me, you know, once a month? And, and just, I just want to hear what you have to say.
0: I so did you know these people beforehand or were they strangers?
1: Um, I would see one of my first mentor, um, I was a teller at the bank and, um, there was like a connected building to our bank. So anytime I would have to walk down the hallway to empty out the ATM machine, I would have to pass by all these financial advisors offices. Mm. And I would always pass by her office to go do this. And she just looked like everything about her was fabulous. Her mm. hair, her shoes, everything. And I saw these gorgeous pictures of her her family on her desk. And then I'd see her leave with her gym bag. And I'm just like, oh my God, like how, are you, dolls. Yeah, like, how are you doing all this? So one day, on my way back to empty out the ATM machine, I knocked on her door and was like, Hey, you know, she knew me because she saw me all the time, but we had never spoke. And I sat down and, and told her what I had been observing about her. And, And it turned into like a 45 minute conversation and I was late getting back to my shift, but I didn't care. And, um,
0: she like took me under her wing and started introducing me to people. And is that kind of how, was she responsible for you moving up within the bank a little bit? Yes, definitely. The people she introduced me to is what set that pathway going. Mm -hmm. I still need to know who this mysterious fairy godmother was that gave you that fox job. That's (laughs) blowing my mind that you don't know. I need you to find out (laughs) somehow. So what about some of your other mentors? Where did you find them? Cause this is a thing that comes up so much with people is, well, sure. I'd love a mentor, but I don't know how to get one. How do you ask? Like, what do you oh, do? God. So the fact that you've got a host of them is amazing.
1: You ask, you, you knock on their door and you ask them like literally what I did with her. I knocked on her door and asked her. Um, and they're usually all around you. So it, there may be someone at your, at your gym that you just think looks really cool. Or there's someone at the same company and, you know, when the company newsletter goes out, they've got some cool shit written about them. And you're just like, wow. So then if you have that person's email address, or if they work in the same building, you introduce yourself and you, you know, it's going to feel a little creepy. And I always tell people flat out, I'm like, look, I did a little Google stalking on you and you seem amazing. Can we talk? That's seriously how I go about it.
0: And do you flat out say, will you be my mentor? Or is it just kind of like, let's just get together regularly? No,
1: I I use the word mentor because I want them to know what I'm asking them for because people are busy. So if I'm just like, Hey, let's just go grab drinks and be girlfriends. It's easier for them to be like, Oh, you know, sorry, something came up. I'm busy. But it's, I don't know, like mentally, I think there's something about this person is coming to me for my sage wisdom and because I'm it so amazing. Good. Yeah, they're good. not
0: going to cancel on you. No. Cause <laughs> that's going to disappoint you and it's going to make them look less. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. Cause I've heard both ways. Like you don't have to tell somebody that you're, you're to, but I think it's smart the way you're talking about doing it. Yeah. I think put it all on the table. I mean, all they can do
1: is tell you no. And I never had anyone tell me no of me saying, hey, I think you're amazing and spectacular and your hashtag goals and I want to be like you when I grow up, they're not going to tell you no.
0: (laughs) Right. And if they do, then that's okay. That's clearly not a good fit.
1: Yeah. And I think you're going to feel that before you even get to that part of the conversation. If they're a little more standoffish and things like that, you're probably not even going to approach them in that
0: way. That's a good point. Okay, so let's rewind. So you started pimping yourself out like a pro for (laughs) yoga. And then you get to the point where you're like, do I even want to do yoga? I just want to do marketing. This is amazing. Is that exactly?
1: Yes. I realized I liked and then I was getting other teachers hitting me up, like, how did you do this? How are you getting these placements? And I've been teaching for five years. You've been teaching for three months. And those became my first clients um, where I went kind of became a consultant. So my first few clients were other yoga teachers. And, um, and then with that, I just word of mouth, I got a few other small business owners. One of them was a landscape design artist. And then um, another one was a, an executive coach and provided um, trainings for Head Start programs, which are like government, it's like government funded preschool, basically. So okay. for, for people that don't have the money for private preschool, Head Start is a great option for them. But the people that work for them, they're always going to need continuing, continuing education. So I was working with the gentleman who provided that sort of continuing education for them. And then again, the woman who did like high-end landscape design. So, you know, you want to redo your backyard and you only have a budget of 150000 She was your your girl to pimp out your backyard.
0: And yeah, my budget's only around 150000 <laughs> <laughs> from my backyard that I don't have. <laughs> just from my backyard. The, the rest of the house looks fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Just to give you a, a perspective of the different types of people that I was working with on, on how to build up their business more. And the only thing that they all had in common was they were just afraid to talk about themselves. Mm. I'm like, you know, you're amazing. How come you're not pimping yourself out to do interviews and panels and guest, guest blogging opportunities Oh, I don't know. You know, like, okay, well, if you don't talk about it, no one else will. So I became if you're
0: hiding your product from the world, then you're being selfish with it.
1: Yeah. So I became like their mouthpiece. I'm like, and we're gonna send a you know, a pitch to this person and just really became like their bragging, like their little like their alter ego of You're their hype girl. Yes. I'm like, you're missing some bravado and some bragging and that's what we're gonna do. So I became a professional bragger for other people. And, and were um, you just
0: figuring this out as you went? Oh yeah.
1: Like university of Google all the way.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So like you're starting this business. So did you ditch yoga entirely? Yes. That's amazing. You up- <laughs> I love you. You're just like, it's like everything you've done until this point of the story is just bouncing from, from the one thing to the next. But not even, not in like a chaotic or flaky way at all. It's just you're being turned on to this new knowledge of what's interesting to you. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're you're brave enough and courageous enough to follow that curiosity. Like curiosity is, I think, the cornerstone of fulfillment and happiness in your career. If you can figure out what what you're interested in and what you're curious about and follow that. Yes. but not in like a following a butterfly in a field kind of way, like just paying attention. Yeah. And you, you obviously realized very quickly, like, well, this thing that I'm doing for myself is valuable and it's things, it's something that other people could use as well. So where did you even find your first few clients? Obviously the yoga people saw you doing that for yoga, but where did this landscape design person come from, or this consultant come from?
1: Uh, the landscape one, I think I sought out. I saw a job listing um, for her wanting some marketing help. Mm. And so I re- replied to it and, you know, told her what I had done for myself and for other people in, in wellness. And, you know, I felt like it was tra- it was transferable skills, basically. Um, so she said, sure, come come do it. And we got her started and got her speaking at things. And she had a jewelry line that she had been wanting to launch for years. And we got that launched. Um, And then the Head Start program, it was actually, it's actually my husband's uncle. Mm. So when I went to go meet the family for the first time, he was just listening to me talk about things and talk about work and was like, he just kind of kept it in mind for about two years and then finally hit me up and was like, Hey, I think you could help me. And so, um, yeah, I think just, constantly running my mouth about things.
0: <laughs> well, this is another good, you know, Jessica Hooper lesson here that I'm getting is you've got to talk about what you're up to. Yes. Don't assume, like I try to do the same thing. It's hard when you have a lot of different stuff that you do and mm-hmm. it's definitely a multi-passionate problem. Um, cause you never know which thing to talk about, but if you can constantly keep yourself top of mind to the people around you and let them know, like, yeah, this is what I'm up to. You will continuously pop into their brains in conversations that you're not part of, which mm-hmm. is key, you know, being clear with what you want helps people promote you when you're not around.
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, as, as far as like being multi-passionate and everything, if you can find out kind of what your common thread is, and this is why I love that uh, that book again, body of work, is because you start to look at all these things that seem like they're not related. And then you figure out, okay, well, what's the thing that's in common here? And for me, it was my tenacity. It was my ability to educate myself, which was like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to Google it. I'm going to watch some YouTube videos, or I'm going to ask somebody to come, come to coffee with me because I know that they're an expert on it. And I figured I started seeing the, the, the commonality of everything is this is what got you here. It wasn't, you know, oh, I know so much about yoga and wellness, or I know so much about marketing. It was, I'm a scrappy little, you're a hustler. (laughs) Yeah. And when people were talking about me amongst themselves, that's what they were saying about me. So it was easy. Like if someone needed someone that was scrappy, they didn't really care whether it was from banking or from wellness or from marketing. They were just like,
0: yeah, bring her over here. This is so important to talk about too. This has also been coming up a lot lately about transitioning careers and, and um, industries. Mm-hmm. You can find, like you said, your through line, that overall like macro view of who you are as a worker, as mm-hmm. who you are as a person. You know What are your traits that make you good at whatever job you have at the moment? For me, it's collaboration and working with others and that kind of thing. For you in this situation, it's being scrappy and being a hustler and just figuring it out as you go. Those overarching traits can be applied to any job. Mm-hmm. So when you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, I, I don't know, like I'm, I've always just been an accountant or whatever, like zoom out and see yes. what what do you bring specifically to whatever role you're in. That's your thing. This needs a name. I'm not entirely sure what to call it yet, but. It's like that's your, your overall vibe. That's a lens you put on to whatever job you have. And if you're transitioning careers and you're having to convince somebody to hire you for a role that you maybe haven't done before, that's the conversation you want to happen is, yes. listen, I know I haven't done this specific thing before, but this is how I am as an employee. This is what I bring to the table. This is how I do whatever job it is that I do they're gonna see that as the valuable element that they're hiring, not your resume, not yep. the specific jobs you've held before. Because frankly, it kind of doesn't matter. They all build up into the career story of you anyway. They all become yes. part of your professional bag of tricks, right, mm-hmm. so I think that's incredible that you, you were able to identify this about yourself and then go ahead and use that. So I don't wanna st- keep going, I wanna know what else happened next. <laughs>
1: I, I think you, you find your superpower or you find yes. a, who is your, your superhero when you go into the phone booth, who do you change into? I love it. Um, and for me, I, I figured that out early. So, um, had the consulting gigs and a lot happened that like personal life wise from me getting fired to me taking on all this freelance work. I got married a year later, I was having a child. So, um, all these things where I think probably a few years before, if you would have told me like, okay, you're going to get fired. And then after you get fired, you're going to decide to get married and have a baby. Like (laughs) it seems so counterintuitive. Like, no, this is not the time to do this. Um, But again, just kind of went for it. And I just felt like, well, if I'm going to take on this added responsibility, I guess I just have to work that much harder. And I did. And then um, after I had my daughter, I I had a little bit of fear. Well, not a little bit. I had a lot of fear come into, is this the responsible thing to do? This kind of, you know, I'm scrappy. I'll just pick up and do something new because now I had this little tiny person and and needed health benefits and everything. Um, So I took a temp job um, through like a, you know, like a a temp company, I guess. (laughs) So I took a contract role and it was at Kaiser in their marketing department. And I remember the interview, I couldn't find parking. And so I had to park really far away. And then I ran up the stairs to still get there on time. So I showed up out of breath. I was sweating and I reached into my bag to find something to fan myself off with. And I grabbed a diaper instead of the envelope (laughs) that I was reaching for. So (laughs) they see me pull out a diaper. I'm like, okay, well, cat's out the bag. They know I have a child. And... (laughs) And we do the interview and it was a group interview. And they're like, okay, you know, you've got some really interesting stuff on your resume. Like, what do you think you can do here? Like, do you know anything about healthcare? And I said, well, I had to navigate the healthcare system being pregnant and like, you know, that part. But I remember very specifically me telling them, like, I know how to market. So whether it's ice cream or tires, I know how to market it. And I got a call back like before I even got home saying (laughs) you got the role. And for me that it felt safe. I'm like, okay, this is a nice, comfy. I got a cute little cubicle that I can dress up how I want. I've got benefits. I've got the same amount hitting my account, you know, on payday. It feels safe. And then the contract ended and I was trying to get a permanent role there and still looking for other outside work. And none of it felt good. I'm like, you only want this job here because you think it's safe. Yeah. You're not excited about it. And I love the people there too. I had a great team that I was working with. But then I saw a very strange looking LinkedIn job post. And it didn't have a location. And the company name sounded weird. It was, it may as well have been Acme Paper Company. Like that's how <laughs> random it sounded. And I'm just like, okay, I'll bite. I want to hear what this is about. And it ended up being, um, it, was another, it was an assistant role, which I didn't want to go into, but the pay was good. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's, I think there's a celebrity involved because, because of the pay and it was remote. So I got to have time with my daughter and that I was right. It was for a celebrity, um, a, mu- a musician. And that was the smartest decision I made. And it was so funny because my first day of working for him, I got a call from Kaiser asking me to come interview for a permanent role. And I'm like, Oh, for five months while I was in that contract, that's what I was dreaming of. This is so safe. Yeah. But do I just want to come work with this, you know, this crazy musician or cause I didn't know him that well. I'm like he could, he could very well be crazy. He's actually not, but I'm like, do I want to take my chances working for some musician? And I politely declined to go in for that interview and working I got to go back into kind of my teenage dream of working as an artist.
0: You accidentally fell into the thing you wanted to be when you grew up originally, which is yeah. magical and not <laughs> surprising at all because that's how things work sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's incredible, and,
1: and that led me to deck artists. So we were the artists I was working with. Um, we were trying to get him more involved with social impact um, and. And he just wanted to, you know, not be known for just music. He wanted to do some good in the world. So I met Daniel Dart, who you also met at camp. Mm-hmm. And he is the founder of Deck Artist. And when I met him, he sounded very interesting. Like, I was, again, I was just listening to him talk. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're saying a lot of wild stuff. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if you're name dropping. So I went home and did some major google and instagram stalking on him like i fact checked any and everything that i heard him say in that meeting (laughs) and it all came out to be true um so i was really impressed with him and just from our mutual friends our like i guess mutual colleagues i'll say um there was a fundraiser event happening and i had a good feeling he was going to be there so i'm like if i go to this event and if i can get him to sit down and talk to me i think I can get him to manage the artist that I'm working for.
0: Mm.
1: And long story short, that's exactly what happened. I pushed forward and I gave him a lot of information about what was going on with the artist. I'm like, you know, just his whole backstory. I'm like, these are the areas that he needs help with. If you can get us a proposal that meets those things, I can pretty much guarantee you, you will be his new manager. So we had to get rid of the old manager, which I couldn't stand. Um, (laughs) And all of that happened. so Daniel became uh, the manager. And then I started doing more work um, on some of Daniel's other projects. So Daniel and and Deck Artists is a really interesting blend of entertainment and social impact and Mm -hmm. public public affairs. Um, Sorry, I hope that notification didn't pop up. Um, (laughs) And for me that felt really good. Um again I got to kind of circle back to that childhood dream of working with artists but then I got to do good for others. So we tie the artists that we work with up to a social impact cause whether it's immigration reform or um you know women's rights and we use this celebrities platform to get these messages out because they have all these followers. You have a million followers. Are you going to post a selfie or are you going to tell them how to fix you know a global issue? you have, you can make a choice. And I've had so much fun doing that. And that kind of led me to Ladies Get Paid, that wanting to do more for other people. And Ladies Get Paid was a volunteer role that I do, that I was doing on top of my regular work responsibilities and wife and mom responsibilities. And um, that's, that's another passion of mine that I've also figured out That's something that runs through all of my career choices have been even with yoga and finding out that I could help people fill their classes up or anyone that I worked with as a marketing consultant that I could help them get their business where they want it to be. I love helping people. I was like getting paid really well to do it. So
0: like you said, you were, you were kind of their mouthpiece, their hype girl, like their bragger, which women specifically tend to be very bad at. Yes. Terrible.
1: (laughs) And I get why, because I I struggle with it too on my own, but I kind of tell myself to shut up. Like I tell that part of my brain, like you need to be quiet and, you know, the inner rock star needs to be able to talk right now, not the one that's concerned about being seen as arrogant. She can be quiet. So um, when Ladies Get Paid, it was so fulfilling of being able to meet all these women and Sometimes it would be heartbreaking because you would see how hard it was for them to get out of their situations and how much doubt and imposter syndrome and, and all these other kind of buzzwords that we see online, but they're very were, real. They're all real. So you know they they are buzzwordy, but they're very real. And um, and then I would get hit up a lot, like on we had a Slack channel for ladies get paid, or I would get emails sometimes, or people would connect with me on social media. And a lot of times they would get really transparent with me about what was going on with them. And so I met a few women for coffee, just, okay, you're, you're miserable. Like, like let's figure out your escape plan. Mm. And, um, that, that was probably the best career wise. I think that was the best year of my life was doing the volunteer role. Um, because I learned a lot about myself and then you just get to see, you know, Oh gosh, everyone doubts themselves. And, and you see how it's holding them back. You're just like, oh, honey, you're missing out on thousands of dollars a year and you're struggling and, and that stuff, that hurts. You know, I, I know materialism isn't everything, but you see someone that could be doing so much more. But
0: you know? money, is, money is power. Yeah. For better or worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that women forget is it's not about wanting to be a baller and making a shit ton of money, which frankly, why wouldn't you want to? Right. Um, it's about the fact that money gives you decision-making power in this world. You know, whether it's supporting a company who shares the same values as you, whether it's supporting local-run businesses or other women-run businesses, donating money to charitable causes that you care about, this is how the world works. You mm-hmm. have a louder voice with more money. And that yeah. sucks. That's shitty that that's the way it is. But okay, fine. These are the rules that, of the game that we're playing. May as well play with them. So... And the thing that, that bugs me about, about when women don't speak up and and get what they deserve both financially and position wise or with their business back to the work you were doing with even yoga instructors and um, consultants and the landscape artists. It's like when you don't get the word out about what it is that you do really, really well, Mm -hmm. you're essentially keeping your gifts from the world. And some yes. people that can really benefit from them. And if you're doing what you're doing for a good reason, which I think most of us are, that's the last thing you want, right? Yep. If you believe enough in what it is that you can give the world, whether you run your own business or you're an employee working for a company, if you're not giving it all in the loudest voice that you can so that it gets to the most people, you're keeping it. And that's, that's not good for anybody. So. Yeah. It's amazing that you've been able to find ways to help support people into being louder, whether it's, you know, in ladies get paid or as a consultant for their marketing efforts. That's, that's a a powerful thing. You're essentially a human microphone. I like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I definitely want to be an amplifier and um, the work I'm doing now, like um, as you know, you and I mentioned offline, I'm no longer doing the ambassador role for ladies get paid. Um, not for any, you know, bad reason other than just my workload got heavier and I didn't have time for the volunteer part of it, but the work I'm doing now, I'm so excited about we're, we're right in the middle of pitching, um, a few different, (laughs) a few different products. So I'm, I'm going to go backwards. So I'm learning how to make pitch decks, which I've Mm -hmm. been working on for the last probably four or five months. And some of the things that we're pitching right now are for great causes. Um, we are trying to film a documentary of this 40 something year crisis that's been happening in Tindu, Algeria with these refugee camps. And then we're trying to put on an event with a music app where they're going to go to different Boys and Girls Club locations that have recording studios in them. Um, it's a company called Notes for Notes, and they've partnered with Boys and Girls Club and they have free recording studios. So you have these kids in oftentimes inner city areas and they want to get into entertainment. And we're gonna allow them to come in. They have access to the free studio, but then we're gonna bring musicians and producers that have actually made wow. hits and made a career out of it to come talk to them and, and actually film kind of like a like a master class or how I built this, but for kids with their their music industry, you know, peers and people that they aspire to be like. So it's very fun to be in this space where I'm at right now, where I get to merge my two loves of helping people, of entertainment, of working with artists. And it's everything that I dreamed of, but it looks nothing like what I thought it was going to be. <laughs>
0: it uh, never does.
1: No, 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 <laughs> it never does. And, and I think that's what's really exciting right now. And when I have, you know, my conversations with my girlfriends or even in my group chats that I'm in, it seems to be a really common theme right now of your, your goals, your dream life probably looks nothing like you think it does, but it's still going to be awesome anyways. And, and I I like to celebrate what I call messy wins. So you're, you're winning, but you probably went through hell to get it. And yeah. Yeah. And so I like a messy win. I think messy wins are great. Yeah. I'm like, if you're, you know, if it was a sport and you were playing your ass off at the end of the game, you're not going to have, you're disgusting. Yeah. You're gross.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're covered in dirt and sweat and potentially blood yours or other people's. (laughs) And
1: parts of your body are aching. Like it's, it's not cute. Like the winner at the end of any sort of sporting event, it never looks pristine.
0: That is so true.
1: And, but I don't, I think for some reason, like, especially in the age of Instagram, we think that winning is supposed to, like, you're supposed to look gorgeous the whole time you're doing it. And you know, your relationship is flourishing and you're just crushing it, crushing it, crushing it. I'm like, no, no, you're going to, you're going to cry. You're going to doubt yourself. I doubt myself all the time.
0: Oh yeah. Every five minutes or so. <laughs>
1: yeah. All the time. And but I get excited about it because I feel like if the work I'm doing doesn't make me stop at some point and say, who do you think you are? Am I in over my head? Yes. Then I'm like, I'm not doing enough. Nope. I love the feeling of who the hell do you think you are? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, and that's the flip side. That's the positive side of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. If you can feel that imposter syndrome creeping in, you probably know you're in a period of growth yes. and you're doing something that's out of your comfort zone, which is where things happen. That's where magical growth moments in your life happen or in periods where you're like, who the hell let me in this room? Exactly. And then Are they going to realize any second now that I don't belong here, but that's when you've got to show up and just bring it because fuck it. Right? Yes. <laughs> What's the alternative? You sit in your cubicle that's safe and you move through your life in a way that's calculated and like, Perfect and pristine, and when you show up at your deathbed, your hair's in exactly the right place. Like I love that whole little quote about, like, when I die, I want to like slide in like to home plate, like looking <laughs> like a mess, being like, "Whoa, that was crazy!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and that's, that's it. Cool.
1: And, and just like we were saying, like, go go watch a, a sporting event and or watch a marathon, and like whoever crosses the finish line first, tell me what they look like.
0: You're so they, right. I they love look that. like
1: death warmed over. <laughs> like,
0: and they're so tired. They're so <laughs> yes. tired and they're so depleted, but they probably feel this sense of such euphoria uh-huh. and proud like pride in having done it. I mean, everything I've done that's great in my life has come with so much sacrifice and so much exhaustion and questioning and doubt and fear and you know, that's when it feels the best to uh-huh. do something great is when You know how hard it was to get there. And that's not to say everything worth having has to be difficult, Um, but it's just not simple usually.
1: Exactly. And and some things are easy. Sometimes you do get a magical (laughs) phone call saying, I need to know
0: (laughs) who the hell this woman is. I need to know.
1: (laughs) But it can't always be magical phone calls. Sometimes you're going to have to get out there and hustle your ass off. And I feel like one isn't better than the other.
0: No, it's a combination of both. That's how life is.
1: Yeah. So yeah, sure. We get a fairy godmother every once in a while, but more than likely, you're going to have to get out there and fight for it. And again, my my time with ladies get paid and and a lot of the women were so much younger than me. These women were in their twenties and I'm I'll be 34 this year. I'm married. I have a four-year-old daughter. And so a lot of times I felt like their big sister or aunt or somebody, I'm just like,
0: oh, honey. Which is also important. Both <laughs> women are important in your lives, like both sides. I yeah. Mean, you've been the the idiot little 22-year-old that's getting fired from her job because I'm yep. you know, 25-year-old because, <laughs> you know, we weren't mature enough to handle it. Now we're, yeah. we're, you know, I'll be 34 this year too. And it's like, yeah, I actually have something to say now that's worth listening to. Yeah.
1: But I I loved meeting them because they were just so like just on fire, but also so scared. And I'm like, you are brilliant. And a lot of them had, you know, advanced degrees and everything. I'm like, honey, if my community college dropout ass can go out here and do it, trust me, you can go kill it. You You have
0: have a master's in Google. You're good. I I
1: really do. I really do. I need to just go ahead and print up a certificate or something.
0: Make your own. (laughs) Nobody will question you. I have no doubt about that. But- as, as much as it, it, it
1: excited me, it was also just really heartbreaking. And so a lot of times um, I, I tend not to really be on social media a lot because I see so much posturing and trying to present a certain way. And I just feel like it's counterintuitive. The things that you really want are not going to be Instagrammable most of the time. The end result may be. Yeah. So um, it's it's just, I think it's just a really weird place we're in right now. People want to, they want to be admired for things that aren't really going to push them forward, you know, unless Those you're... Quick
0: hits. They're quick yeah. little shots of dopamine, you know, to mm-hmm. your brain. It's, and that's partially, you know, obviously technology and social media is to blame for that, but you're right. Like the moments that actually make up your life are all of those little tiny steps that you're taking every single day to get to that Instagrammable moment. But mm-hmm. people aren't good at showcasing that. I try really hard in my own social media presence and in my life to... You've been very transparent. I'm a very transparent <laughs> person. And it's because of that. I think it's it's in response to the posturing. Mm-hmm. And I want people to know, because I get that all the time. Oh, you're killing it. You're killing it. I'm like, I'm busting my ass right now for Mm -hmm. not a lot of money. It Mm -hmm. will come. I have no doubt about that, but it's not right now. This is the groundwork, right? Mm -hmm. These are the, I'm sweating my ass off and bleeding and like, you know, full of sore muscles uh, in my career right now. But that's what makes up an overall life Mm -hmm. are those days. And people often laugh at me. I, I seem to have a time hop image for every crucial phase of my life and it's because i'm i feel like i'm kind of a historian for myself nobody else mm-hmm. but and i take moments i take photos and capture moments that suck and that are hard and that are heartbreaking because when you look back you know 7 8 years later you're like holy shit that was a rough time in my life i almost don't even remember it anymore because i'm i've come so far yeah and when when you see those Moments come and go enough in your life. It provides the foundation and the confidence you need For the rest of your days to know that as these hard moments happen again, and they will continue to happen Mm -hmm. You now know you have proof that you've survived before and you'll survive again.
1: Yeah Yeah, definitely. I think You know that kind of notion like whenever bad things do happen I I go through my little pity party and then a lot lately i've been going up to um I go up to Fryman Canyon and it's a light hike. It's like a three mile loop. And I use that as like my time to think. So if I've had a really shitty day or something's just not happening the way I want it to, I find myself walking up Fryman Canyon alone with my hat pulled down low. So if I cry, no one can see me. And I'm just walking up there like, okay, you know what? All this shit you've been through and yet you're still here. You're still alive. Yeah. And so by the time I get down the hill, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's right. I am still here. So clearly. I'm a
0: survivor. <laughs> no different than any other hard time. Yeah. Perspective's huge during, so huge during moments of doubt and confusion and frustration and anger and rage for mm-hmm. things not being exactly as you wanted them to be. Having that ability to look back and reflect on those previous hard times and be like, okay, <laughs> is this that big of a deal? Is the Jessica or the Bailey in 10 years gonna even remember this moment? Probably not, unless yeah. Time Hop reminds me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what I was always trying to tell these women at the Ladies Get Paid events. Like, I know it seems super shitty right now, but you have to keep going. Yeah. Or if if it's career if it's something career wise, you have to get out of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Don't wait for years and years for something no. magical to happen. Take ownership of your life and your happiness.
1: Yeah. And if you don't know how to do something, you ask or you Google and you figure it out. But saying, I don't know, I don't know how is a terrible
0: excuse. To Procrastination. Not do yeah. And it serves nobody. Yeah. One so of my you, favorite Marie Forleo quotes is everything is figure outable. Yep.
1: I love that quote too. I
0: <laughs> and I want, I just want to see more
1: of that mentality that it is figureoutable. And if and you're going to suck at something. Like, don't be, that's the other thing. Don't be afraid to suck at something.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I suck at a lot of things.
1: <laughs> because the only way you're going to get better is to keep doing it. And so you risk the, the embarrassment or the, you know, the constructive or sometimes not so constructive criticism when you do suck at something. <laughs> and I think right now with me and um, me and these damn pitch decks, my first one looked like some eighth grader school project. Like it looked like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to turn it in anyways I'm just like okay you know and I and I turned it in with all these little you know little comments I'm like hey I'm not a graphic designer and I'm not really a you know I don't I don't really do a lot of writing for this type of marketing and all like just excuse 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 so I just turned it in and the ones I do now look much better and and a few of them have have actually gotten us yeses or gotten some wins out of it but my ego was so tied up in it. The first few chances I, I took at it, it was just like,
0: I like being good at shit. So I don't want to yeah, do this. I'm with you. And it sucks to be bad at stuff. But <laughs> I remember growing up, I, I always did dance. I was on dance teams and stuff. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite moments was when the instructor or our coach would show us a whole routine for the first time and dance it all the way through. <laughs> and I remember always being so excited in that moment because I would think, soon, I'm going to be able to do that. And Mm -hmm. right now I can't do any of that. And in a short period of time, I'm going to be able to learn and remember and then execute that dance. And I can't wait to look as cool as she does doing that. Yes. You know, finding ways to be excited about learning as opposed to fearful, I think is how you handle that time after time. Mm -hmm. Because the moment you stop learning is the moment you stop growing. So just don't do that. Find ways to embrace that fear as excitement rather than anxiety and and really fear. I mean, fear keeps you from getting moving forward and from trying new things. But excitement, if you can turn it into that, put like a, I, <clears throat> I'm excited about not knowing jack shit about what yeah. you're next right now, because one day I will be great at them. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and that's that's really it. The you know I, again this other buzzword that's out there like a growth mindset, but it's so true. Yeah like be excited about the growing. But I think right now I'm, I think some, some part of my, this next part of my journey is really going to involve finding a way to address what I see happening, just kind of widespread with people's obsession with wanting to appear a certain way, but are you really getting what you want? Mm. You know, I know, I know you look popping on Instagram, like you are goals in every picture you post, but if you come and we have coffee and you're eyes are full of tears and you're not happy then okay we got to find a, a better plan mm. and so I'm still working on what that's going to look like I don't know if it'll be my own series of panel discussions I don't know I'm if in
0: be a book um but I want to be part of it I in. yeah, yeah. I, I see I it just, all the time too and it breaks my heart yeah it is it's, it's killing me and because
1: I'm really happy with the work that I'm doing right now with my relationship with with mothering and and all these things at some point I question am I qualified for like sure. e-
0: even the marriage and the baby part
1: like I don't know like I remember leaving the hospital like are you, you, you sure know, you know one's gonna quiz me or like do I have to take a test or anything <laughs> yeah parenthood <laughs> is mind-blowing <laughs> yeah like you're just gonna let me walk out of here wow wow <laughs> um but finding a way to be happy in it anyways mm. and and that's what I want for every woman. I mean, and men too, but women are always my priority. Um, we'll we'll get to their happiness later, but just, yeah, I just want us to get out of this shit of just posturing all the time. I feel like it has to be exhausting.
0: Well, and it's just not, it's not helpful to anybody, you know? And that's why I try and be as transparent as I can be, because I think the more, the more you're honest about what life actually looks like for you, the more people can see like oh, okay, well, if she, if this is how her reality is, then that kind of mirrors mine. And and she also does okay sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I can do okay sometimes. And I think um, the quote that's sticking with me most right now is um, from the original Me Too movement founder. And her name starts with a T, but I always forget. Is it Tanara? Yeah, it it sounds like Tamara, but it's not. Yeah, It's empowerment through empathy. And Mm. I like wanna get that tattooed on my body because I feel so passionately about that. You empower others by feeling for them and vice versa, allowing them to feel for you. Having that strong sense of empathy allows everybody to kind of be on the same level. And when you're open and honest about your process and about the hard times and the wonderful times and just being honest and not fronting and not posturing, it empowers other people to step Mm -hmm. up too. And, and I think if as women, especially if we can let each other in to support one another and be there for one another and provide the resources and just, you know, I mean, support at the end of the day, we are all so much stronger and that's, that's what I want to see happen in this world. So, yeah
1: it's happening um like i said that is my my next project that i will be taking on is how to address this posturing and and bring every like you said bring everybody in yeah. like let's let's tell our truths the the ugly part the messy part and let's get messy and sweaty together so that we're all winning
0: yeah this professional development and happiness are team sports yeah they're not solo acts so the more people you can bring in. And let me just tell you, it is way more fun when you have people on your team and that you can be honest with, and that can be honest with you. And then that's why I'm involved in so many female focused groups. It's Mm -hmm. because I love that network. I love that support, that community. So when you're having a fucking awesome week, you can be like, you guys, this happened. Can you Mm -hmm. believe that? Everybody's high-fiving you virtually or in real life. And like, and then when you're having those weeks where you're like, whoa this happened you've got a million and one hugs coming your way and and that's just what life is about like we yeah. are I feel like we are tribe people naturally and we've gotten so far away from that that it's all just a bunch of bullshit that I think yeah I mean we could keep talking about this for 100 hours <laughs> it is that that pervasive but I'm really excited to see all the things you do next because now I'm like I want a front row seat for what Jessica comes up with yes like, I want to be yes. part of it, So <laughs> Thank you so much for this. This was amazing. I loved all of this, these knowledge drop, you know, bombs that you dropped on us. (laughs) There was so much in there. So I know everybody will get a lot out of it, but thanks, Jessica. Thank you for having me. And yeah, yeah, I'm so excited that you're doing this show. Me too. (laughs) I mean, it's giving me an excuse to learn more about the people that I think I know about and I have no idea. I mean, selfishly, I'm I'm getting so much out of this. So yeah. if anybody else actually enjoys the show, then amazing. Hey, maybe write a review if you like it. But you know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> if nobody else even listens and gets anything out of it, that's okay at the end of the day because I'm learning so much from these amazing human beings that I'm lucky to have in my life, including yourself. So oh, thank you. Go. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.